a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, good afternoon. This is Lee Lonsberry. You're listening to Live Mike. I'm grateful to you for tuning again for episode six of this new program here on KSL News Radio. I uh, remain thankful to the bosses for giving me the opportunity to get behind this mic. And more than that, I'm grateful to you for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, if you've enjoyed the program, what you've heard over the last week and uh, uh, the last few days, I I'd invite you to let your friends know about this new program. I hope to... I hope to offer each day something of value. We work hard each morning. I get together with uh, uh, producer Amy. Uh, we comb through what's going on around the state and the country and the world. And we try to uh, winnow it down to some important stories, things that have an impact on your life uh, and your livelihoods and your kids and uh, just the way generally we we find ourselves living life here in Utah. And I think today we've uh, come up with a good example of that. We, of course, will be spending a lot of time on the impeachment today. I know that you may groan when you hear that, but I, I'd invite you to, to give it just one more day because today is a day that will forever be remembered in history. It is important, it's impactful, and it will be studied. It will be written in the textbooks of your children and grandchildren, and it will forever be uh, a part of history, as Donald Trump, in all likelihood, will, uh, before the sun sets, uh, be the be another president to be impeached, uh, adding his name to the likes of Bill Clinton, uh, who really just 19 years ago, almost to the day, if uh, things had gone a different way and tomorrow were the vote uh, again on these articles of impeachment, the the impeachment would be would have taken place exactly 20 uh, year. I'm sorry, 21 years to the day uh, after uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment, uh, or 19. 19 is the, is the number. Uh, anyway, I. One of the things that uh, I find myself doing as I comb through stories about impeachment is trying to find uh, little tidbits uh, of interest. I, as I've told you, I think every day I've been hosting this program. My last job was in Washington, D.C. as a congressional staffer. I worked uh, for Rob Bishop, who we'll speak to uh, today on the program. In fact, we'll speak to all the Republican members of the House. We, we of course, reached out uh, to... Representative McAdams, I uh, haven't heard back yet from him, but we will be speaking uh, to Representative Curtis, uh, Bishop, and Stewart. Uh, Stewart, in fact, who spoke uh, this morning on the floor of the House during the debate over these articles of impeachment. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but I wanted to tell you, my, my last job as a, as a congressional aide... One of the one of the pastimes of us aides out there, uh, us staffers, we would trade trivia. So each day, something interesting would uh, transpire on the floor of the house, something uh, unique, something historic, a little bit of trivia, and we would try to uh, one up each other by knowing something uh, even more obscure. And I wanted to talk to you specifically about one such item uh, this morning, and it has to do with a piece of jewelry worn by Speaker Pelosi. It's called a mace. Uh, and she, on her lapel, has been wearing a brooch uh, in the shape of a mace. And in the next segment, I'm going to tell you.
tell you what that really means. But first, let me run down the, the things we're going to cover on the program today. I, as you know, am, am new to this uh, radio program. I'm new to uh, a lot of the characters here in town, a lot of the storylines playing out. One such storyline uh, that you have been from, made familiar with over the last few weeks is uh, the race for governor. Next year, there will be an election to replace Governor Gary Herbert. Uh, he has decided not to seek re-election, and so the folks are lining up uh, to to replace him. And so far, and in my humble opinion, I think that it's pretty early for this race to have begun, but there are four such candidates who disagree with me, and they have thrown their name, made it known to the public that they would like to replace Governor Herbert, uh, Amy Winder-Newton, uh, current Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, um, uh, as well, you of course know of John Huntsman uh, Jr., former governor here of the state of Utah, and lastly, Jeff Birmingham. I have reached out to, or will be reaching out to all of those four uh, candidates, and over the next uh, week or so, I'd like to spend some time uh, getting to know them. Uh, you, you've heard much from them, but I, if I'm honest, uh, haven't yet uh, spoken to them face-to-face since uh, making it known they'd like to be governor. We're going to have a, a segment just like that today with uh, Jeff Birmingham. Uh, maybe later in the week we'll have uh, some other folks. Uh, next week it was indicated to me that we may be able to speak to uh, John Huntsman Jr. And that's really uh, both an exercise for me and the candidates, of course. You know, they would love to uh, have some time here on the radio to share with you uh, why it is they feel they uh, might be the best suited for the job. But also for me, I know that uh, one of these individuals will ultimately be uh, the chief executive of the state. And I would like to uh, get to know them face to face as I uh, expect that whoever it may be uh, who wins and uh, ascends to that seat of government, that they'll be here hopefully in studio quite often talking uh, to me uh, and talking to you. And I'd like, uh, I'd like to, to start on a, on a good foot. I'd like to know them uh, before they become governor. So that, that that's really an exercise in, in, uh, in familiarity. Uh, we're going to hear today uh, from Jeff Birmingham, uh, and I mentioned earlier, too, that we're going to hear from all the uh, Republican members of the House. Uh, we've reached out to uh, Ben McAdams. He has uh, not yet responded to our to our inquiry, but we're going to talk about what's going on on the House floor. Uh, we also, you, there's a story that, that came up uh, late last week, it was a story out of the Salt Lake County Mayor's Office. Ginny <clears throat> uh, Wilson made it known that at gun shows, that there are two gun shows really that come through. There's Rocky Mountain Gun Show and Crossroads of the West. Th- those take place on county property in the uh, the event center there in uh, uh, Sandy. Well, the new rule laid out unilaterally, I, I might add, not in consultation with the council, uh, Mayor Wilson made it known that no longer would private sales of firearms be allowed on county property. Now, what's a private sale of a firearm? We're going to get into this later on, but I'll tell you very quickly. It uh, essentially is, you hear the phrase gun show loophole. I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of using that phrase because I'm a gun enthusiast myself, and I think that uh, gun show loophole carries with it certain connotations that uh, I don't agree with. Uh, it's not a loophole. It's simply the law. Um, individuals are able to... Uh, they're able to to sell firearms to one another here in the state of Utah uh, without a background check. And so sometimes when you're at a gun show, you'll see uh, someone walking around with uh, maybe a rifle or a shotgun over their shoulder. There'll be a little flag hanging out of it. And that's to indicate that they have a, a firearm they'd like to sell privately. And maybe you pull them aside and you have a conversation, you negotiate and sell. Uh, well, that that transaction doesn't require a uh, it doesn't require a, a background check. 
uh, well, there's a, a member of the Utah State Legislature who would like to uh, support, who would like to get behind uh, Jenny Wilson and her effort. That's Brian King. He last year introduced a bill that would require uh, background checks for those types of transactions, the private sales, uh, to have them characterize it. They would say that that'd be the cl- closure of the gun show loophole. We'll speak to Brian King uh, today on uh, what we learned just recently will be a revival of an effort from this past legislative session. Next year, he's going to reintroduce uh, a universal background check piece of legislation. Uh, and we're also going to speak to uh, a representative from the Rocky Mountain Gun Show just to see what that will do uh, for business uh, and what the impact will be on the gun shows coming up. The next one, I believe, is mid-January. So you may, you're going to see uh, a difference there. You know, Unless someone steps in either judicially or who knows what, a lot of things could happen. Uh, in the fallout of this announcement, there's a lot of time uh, between now and when the, the, the first gun show will come to Utah after the new year when this uh, ruling by Mayor Wilson takes effect. So we'll see. Uh, we're going to speak to bo- both sides of the issue today. Uh, lastly, I wanted to talk uh, quickly to we're going to speak to ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. This is an interesting story. Uh, many of us have uh, either family or connections uh, to various regions of Mexico. I was uh, a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints years ago. I was in Mexico. Uh, so I, there's, a, there's a great fondness uh, that I have for uh, certain regions, well, for the whole country, certainly, but, uh, but there are areas uh, where I have in recent years wanted to travel and visit. Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, times have changed since I was there walking around as a missionary, and the State Department has issued uh, some prohibitions on travel for uh, Americans, at least uh, strong guidance against traveling to certain regions to include uh, the area where I served as a missionary. Anyway, uh, Alex Stone is going to talk to us and tell us more about what's going on down there and why it is that the State Department has issued uh, warnings specifically for the Christmas time of year uh, when it comes to traveling uh, to Mexico. So next up, I'm going to give you some of those details about uh, that brooch, the mace that Nancy Pelosi is wearing, a few other details about the rules uh, that are governing the debate which is taking place right now on the floor of the House of Representatives regarding the articles of impeachment. There's fascinating stuff. I'm a nerd about it. Hopefully, I'll get you excited about these details next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.